So I believe, if my math is correct, that this is my 200th episode, which seems ridiculous, crazy. I never would have thought I would have done any of this, to be honest. Um, and I mostly uh, just want to show some appreciation for everybody who's been involved in this journey of mine. It's like shoots and ladders in my, my emotional shoots and ladders in my heads and, and my career. There's been so many people so instrumental supporting, you know, in, in all the ways possible, um, which has been great. And then, you know, I am excited to share this journey with folks. And, you know, from the little bit of feedback I get here and there, it seems like it's been worthwhile. I mean, I know not all of it's, you know, treasure, but you know, some of it's okay. Um, so anyways, uh, just kind of can't believe it's 200 episodes. And I actually have a few more in the bag with a few people that I'm going to have conversations with, I think coming up that could be pretty good. So there's, there's still a little bit left, but I appreciate everybody, uh, hanging in there with me and, 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 uh, going along for the ride. Something I've said multiple times this summer to various guides that I work with um, as we're doing some mentoring sessions, um, usually specifically more into the single pitch or excuse me, multi-pitch realm of things, um, is to guide the terrain and not the route. Um, and then if we take that even a little bit further, guide the terrain, not the route, with the people that you are with. So this one's, I think, pretty interesting because it encompasses a concept that works for any discipline at any scale, like from being in a climbing wall instructor position to, you know, big mountain ski guide, um, big mountain guide, rock guide, ice guide, whatever. And it's to look at what's in front of you and recognize the terrain versus the route. And I think sometimes where I see people kind of not fully develop this vision yet is typically more in technical terrain. So think about technical rock terrain and technical ice terrain. It is kind of interesting, like when you start doing more alpine things, um, you do start thinking about that. I mean, not just like oh, we go up this ridge and, and there's belay spots here or there. But it's like, if you're just like short roping for thousands of feet, you're literally guiding every step, right? In this huge terrain set. Like you're going and moving in a way that you want your clients to follow and replicate um, and therefore trying to find the path that gives them the most protection or whatever you're trying to do um, with that person at the moment. But literally, when we're talking about like big train, it can be down to like, I'm literally guiding every step that these people take. Even in you know, ski guiding, you get to a little choke and you're like, all right, we're gonna stop and we're gonna guide these two turns because they're critical. Like we're gonna stop and kind of focus in and, and we're guiding the terrain versus just the route. Because um, I think, you know, like a lot of people just think a rope has two ends in the middle. It's like, well, there's a lot of real estate in a rope that you can do something with. You don't just need those three points. Same thing with roots, right? It's not just a, a bottom and a top, right? Like there's space in between. And I think it's important to think about as we have some folks and we're trying to 
evaluate what they want, what we think might be good for them, you know, what's kind of available, you know, what's our plan A, B, and C of the day in terms of selection of terrain. It's like for some people, they don't need to be on a route. Like sometimes I think people who are like really new, like single pitch people, they look at the book and they're like, oh, I... I got to look fine for a route that's easy. It's like, well, just go out and look at the cliff and see if you can just find some easy terrain that's climbable. Like it doesn't have to be a named route with a, with a number grade, right? In fact, if you're going to work with certain people, that's not the stuff you want at all, right? It's all climbing, right? So it doesn't really matter um, what it is. Just like if you're in a climbing wall like in, and you see someone come in, you might steer them to a certain route just purely based on the terrain. Like, oh, this route is a little bit slabbier for the grade than this route this one's a little bit more overhanging and it's a little gonna be a little bit more arm intensive you know so like even in there it's about looking at the train and guiding the train not the route and i think this was a classic example like and i don't remember um everybody who was involved it was i believe it was on an advanced rock guide course this was years ago and one of the folks taking the course was guiding um and tom hargis who's you know a living legend um, was one of the instructors, and Tom Hargis asked this person, well, why did you stop at this stance? Why did you belay here? And this person's like, well, the guidebook says you belay here. And Tom Hargis got this great, you know, slow, deep drawl of a voice, and he's just like, like, the cover says it's the climber's guide to Red Rock, not the guide's guide to Red Rock. You know, so once again, thinking about breaking terrain up into places that make more sense in terms of guiding the route and with the people you're with. So sometimes going long is A, necessary, and B, appropriate, and C, fun, right? Like these people, you know what? They, they want to just climb for 180 feet, and we can do that on this pitch. Cool, let's just do that, right? But it's not uncommon where it's probably better off if we make shorter pitches and, and break train up into shorter sections, right? Um, you know, for various reasons, you know, just like short roping, when we short rope, as the rope gets longer and longer and longer, and we're further away from our clients, there's less control we have over what they do. They can't see us, so they're not going to follow us as readily exactly where we put our feet in our hands, right? Our visual and verbal communication might be a little bit um, harder, right? As the rope gets longer, you know, you have less control over tension because there's more rope stretch in your reaction time. You know, what you see and by the time you react is going to be a little bit of a delay. And they, not that you can't short rope with a longer section of rope in certain situations. It's pretty uncommon, but you can certainly do it. But you lose stuff. And it's the same thing in, in technical ski terrain or technical climbing terrain, right? As soon as you start stretching things out, you lose things. So a lot of times it's like, Blay the train. So if it, if it means stopping short and adding another short pitch in because it gives you better communication with your folks because the weather dictates it, even on another day, you might go a little higher. Maybe it gives you a better um, coaching ability. Maybe it gives you, you know, um, better um, control of the rope because now there's less um, stretch in the rope because now you've done a shorter pitch. Like that stuff's all really important um, to understand that because it's not uncommon to take someone who could arguably be in the terrain that you're in, but can't necessarily at the moment climb it in a way that someone who has some other attributes going on could do it. So shorter pitches are important. Like for example, the other day um, I was climbing with this person. It was their first time outside rock climbing and they were pretty um, petite. They were a pretty small person. Um, 
So they had, they had actually had nice movement skills, but they just didn't have a lot of energy. Like just the approach really kind of taxed them. They didn't have a lot of like get up and go, pull kind of energy. And we warmed up on this nice little route, um, worked really well, came down. And then the route next to it's definitely harder with like a harder army move to start with. And this person's a little shorter, so a little harder in this move. But I'm like, I really think this person would like this route. It's a beautiful route. And I think they're going to be fine. So it's a single pitch route. It's only 60 feet long. But I only went 20 feet, got into a really good stance, right? Good anchor. Um, I was directly above this, this harder move, like directly in line. And the route traverses a bit. So if I was higher up, once again, I would lose some of the connection verbally, I would lose some of the connection with rope tension, right? And the traverse route traverses. So any input I put in the rope to help this person um, would be less direct versus me being straight above them with, um, with a direct line to them. And I just coached them to the move. They actually did it really, really well. Um, had to put very little um, effort into the rope at all. Got them to the stance and finished up the pitch, you know? And it was just kind of like, this person kind of needs me to stop here if I'm going to guide this route with them. Like this train is definitely doable for them. And it, I don't have to just put them on easier terrain. Like this train will work. I just have to guide it a little bit differently than what I would normally do here. I'd normally just go up to the chains and call it good. Um, and this very same crag is called the Central Slabs, which is one of my favorite little places to climb because the roots are beautiful. The granite's exceptional. The views are exceptional. Um, it's a nice little single pitch crag. The roots were about 60 feet long and they make some good guiding challenges because some of them traverse. Some of them have some interesting like little cruxy moves and how do you protect that for you and for them and back cleaning and, you know, all kinds of cool little stuff you can do there. And I really like to take um, people who are working on their multi-pitch skills and go there either one-to-one or two-to-one and I have them break those little 60-foot pitches up into two or three pitches. And partly because you don't need a lot of terrain to practice the technical transitions of up to up and up to down, if that's what your goal is, right? You don't need a, you don't need a thousand feet to do that. You only need a little bit. You just got to stop and do the transitions. And in a lot of ways, it's it's um, better for it because you get the um, the repetition in. But the other thing I have them do, and why I like it to go there is like I want them to see the terrain for what it is. I don't want them to just think, oh, I climb, I start at the bottom of this route and I go up and I get to the chains at the top. Like I want them to start seeing like, oh, I could, I could break this route up into different pitches and here's a stance here. This stance is pretty good. This stance is okay, but I think if I worked it this way, I could do it. And I have to manage my ropes this way versus down here. I think I could stack on the ground here. I think I have the lap coil here. I think there's a high and low position for my, my, uh, my people that I'm working with. And because at some point, you might need to or want to, on a route, stop in a place that is appropriate for the guiding you're doing in that train with those people, but may not be what the book says, right? So it's a great way to kind of like start learning how you can make these situations and read the kind of micro um, terrain features once again, if you think back to the short roping, we're reading micro terrain features in a huge terrain set, reading the micro terrain features on this single pitch, for example, to understand like how to make it work versus like, oh, there's no stances up there. It's like, no, there are stances up there. They're just going to make you work a little bit. Um, it also helps people kind of rethink the terrain they think they know, which I think is really cool. And then every once in a while, you do what I did the other day, which literally was the first time on that route I've ever done that. Um, it just happened to be the person in the day. And I was like, huh, 
I think this person, I think we should do this and I think you'll be okay. I've certainly broken up small pitches with clients before as we're practicing multi-pitch transitions and stuff like that. But it was kind of the first time I actually had climbed that route, guided that route in that way um, for that specific reason. And it worked out really well. Um, So I really enjoyed it. So I think that's important is thinking about who you're with, right? What What are they hoping to gain? What are they bringing to the table? You know, what are you hoping to do with them that day? And why are you bringing them to a certain terrain set, right? Like, what are you hoping to gain out of that? And how are you going to do it then? All right. It's none of this should sound that <laughs> foreign based on some of my other episodes. Like, I think that's really important. So super important too, when the train becomes a little more um, challenging, like it's funny, a lot of the younger guides come in, in to my area and they go climb the classic route, which is great. You know, some of the harder grades, but in terms of guiding, besides the, like the physical challenge of the guiding piece, I'm not saying that's not a piece to climbing harder, guiding harder routes. The routes are pretty much straight up and down, right? There's not a lot of like guiding problems. So a lot of times when I take people out to some, to do some mentoring, I put them on routes that are a super easy in terms of like they're like five three but they're like traversing routes you know and it really helps focus and like oh like if i just went to the chains there are some you few different unique spots on this route that have moves that are a little bit harder than other moves right and sometimes also i put people on these kind of routes because when your movement skills are so high sometimes it's harder for you to understand where something might be a little more challenging, you know, and you're like, well, why would I be on this route with these people? Like, oh, they're probably less proficient in their movement or their strength to do this climbing. So I have to be even more aware of what might, might feel harder than the other moves. It might be more challenging for them. So if I'm feeling that there's these things and I have kind of a more of a guiding challenge type of route that traverses, I may need to stop and break this up into smaller chunks to coach, have better tension, better protection, blah, 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 blah. Because if I go all the way to the chains, right, and they have a problem, I don't have, I'm not in a position of power to really help them in a traversing pitch. So it's just interesting, once again, how terrain can really change how we guide a route purely because of what it gives us in terms of a position of power. Is the rope going straight up to you so you can haul and lower no problem? Or is it going traversing? We are like, that's hauling and lowering is a solution, but it's going to be more challenging. Um, so I think getting on routes like that that have some interesting guide challenges and then kind of rethinking them in terms of how do you guide this terrain is, is kind of key. So next time you're out, especially in an area that you know really well, you know, just kind of take the blinders off and, and kind of try to re-see the terrain that you know really well and try to look at it with new eyes and see And same with the descent too. Like, like I've done things where I've done pre-rigs and I've bumped on my way down and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to bump here. There is a stance here. I can bump this and break this up and it allows me to kind of like really understand those techniques too. And like where, or when I can really pull it off and where and when is necessary versus just like, Oh, we're just going to pre-rig. We start at the chains and go to the, the next stance or the ground. And that's it. It's like, no, no. Sometimes in descending, right? We want to stop midway and reevaluate, reset, do whatever, um, because that's appropriate for whatever reason. So guide the train, not the route, and with the people that you are with.